This is MPN. Welcome to Movie Matchup. I'm Casey. And I'm Grace. A podcast where we talk in-depth about two movies with a common theme. And at the end, we'll talk about menu items you could enjoy while having your movie marathon. Grace, what is this week's theme? This week's theme is X's and O's. Yay! Yay. (laughs) Uh, And our first movie for this week's matchup is High Fidelity. And uh, the synopsis is, I've got a very short synopsis this week, sorry, is Rob, a record store owner and compulsive list maker, recounts his top five breakups, including the one in progress. And our second movie is Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. And the Amazon plot is game on. Scott Pilgrim just met the girl of his dreams, literally. But in order for them to date, he must defeat her seven evil exes, a rogues gallery including an infamous skateboarder, a vegan rock star, and a fearsome identical twins. For the genre-smashing director of Hot Fuzz uh, and Shaun of the Dead comes a true original, powered up by wit, action, and groundbreaking visuals that will want you to watch that you that you will want to watch again as soon as it's over. Perfect on the first take, no mess ups at all. I, you know what I say? We keep it. Okay. All right. Just like four or so, but that's that's fine. So I was thinking because it is the 10th anniversary of Scott Pilgrim that maybe we should do Scott Pilgrim. And then you suggested High Fidelity. Yeah, we were trying to come up with, I think originally, like a, a video game-esque movie to pair it up with. And then uh, I thought, well, there's also music as a pretty big element in, in Scott Pilgrim and uh, the X's, obviously, so that reminded me of High Fidelity. Um, and it is kind of interesting the way we go through each of the X's. In this case, well, in Scott Pilgrim's case, it's it's um, the love interest X's, and in, in High Fidelity, it's our protagonist. But um, uh, and sort of get the backstory for mm-hmm. for each one yeah. as we move through the movie. Yeah. Also, High Fidelity is you know based on a book, and Scott Pilgrim is based on a series of graphic novels. Yes. And our protagonist in both of them is, uh, <laughs> flawed. <laughs> like, I feel like at the end of the day, you're still rooting for them, but they are clearly. They're, yeah, they're two of the most unlikable pr- protagonists, I think, particularly for a romantic movie. Yeah. Um, it's. It's kind of difficult to root for these guys to end up with the girls at the end. And I'm not sure that I honestly do. Like, I kind of feel like uh, in both cases, I'm like, well, she could do better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But there is still, you know, I still enjoy watching them. Maybe uh, John Cusack's character Rob in High Fidelity more so than than Scott Pilgrim. Um, but uh Scott Pilgrim is such a fun movie to watch that it doesn't really matter that much that I don't like Scott <laughs> yeah. so much. Um, and uh, I think in the case of Rob, it's a lot of it is the charm of John Cusack and just the strength of how funny the script is that uh, you still enjoy him even when he's being terrible. <laughs> yeah, I think they also, they both grow over the course of the film so if we were to stick with them afterwards like if there were a sequel they would be more likable than they are in this this is kind of about them learning to be better in relationships and uh, as people yeah we don't actually get to see the part where they are better it just kind of ends right as they sort of reach that point so yeah um you know you're going you're you're leaving the movie thinking well i'm sure it'll work out (laughs) yeah even if they were kind of awful throughout the whole thing. Yeah. But, you know. Oh, the directors are both English for both of these films. Oh, really? Also, yeah. Yeah, because... Oh, yeah, I the, guess... The High Fidelity book is also set in London, so they... It is. Yeah, they so changed they just, it to mm-hmm. Chicago. I think that's because the writers... I guess the writers were more familiar with Chicago than they were um, with with London, so... Oh. Um, because it was written by... Like John Cusack, he had like some writing producing partners 
um, at that time. They had done Gross Point, Point Blank right before this movie. Uh, D.V. DeVincentis and Steve Pink huh. uh, worked with John Cusack after uh, originally the first screenplay was written by Scott Rosenberg um, of Con Air fame. Oh. <laughs> And I think they ended up changing pretty much everything uh, about his original, <laughs> original script, but he still has a credit because of like WGA rules. Oh. Uh, let's see. We also have, like we said, the the the, the very strict number of X's that we yes. uh, go into throughout the the course of the movie seven, and it's got Pilgrim and five in uh, in high fidelity. Well, <laughs> and. Um, yeah, both both protagonists sort of have to learn, I guess, the value of self-respect in yeah. a way. Uh-huh. <laughs> like their problems are ostensibly about their breakups, but they're not really. <laughs> like Scott's still hung up on envy, and Rob is obviously still dealing with the immediate aftermath of his breakup from Laura. Um, but uh, it's and it's and it's more overt. I would say in High Fidelity, like Laura gives um, basically gives Rob a speech at the beginning about you need to learn to be happy, make make yourself happy before we can you know be happy together. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, but it's something that I think both both characters sort of have to end up doing. <laughs> yeah, because I don't think he like grows when they because they end up you know getting back together and he is still the same person. Yeah. And then. Uh, over the course, he decides to kind of change on his on his own. He learns what he really wants, or like what will really make him happy mm-hmm. to be in this relationship and not jump from relationship to relationship. And then I think the same thing with with Scott, that it's not just like, I'm with someone until the next one comes along, that it's just mm-hmm. like, all right, no, we'll go back to this. This was good. Let's try to actually make this this work. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, there's a, a pretty big element of music in both of the movies. Uh, obviously, Scott is in his band, Sex Bobons, and Rob is more of an, a, a, a professional appreciator, I think is how he puts it at one point. Um, yeah. And of, DJ. Of music. He's a DJ uh, at one point also. What's that? A DJ. Yes, he is also a DJ at one point. Um, and he owns a, a record store. Uh, so music plays a pretty big role in just as far as the soundtrack of both movies. Uh, it's interesting. I feel like uh, the style of music in Spot Pilgrim almost felt like a throwback even at the time that it was made. Um, I don't know. I feel like that garage band sort of aesthetic was was kind of like, and maybe it was a, a product of when the uh, graphic novel was written or something like that. But it, it sort of had like an alternative feel that felt like more 90s, I guess, than yeah. <laughs> when the movie uh, yeah. actually came out. Um, but it was pretty fun. I enjoy it in the movie. I do too. But yeah, I can I can see what you mean about that. Yeah. Yeah, the music in both of them really seems to like push the story, even though it's not... It's not like a typical musical in where the songs kind of like inform in that way of like what is specifically going on in the story. But I think both right. of them kind of like help to to move it along. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We do have, I guess, a, a musical number <laughs> in Scott Pilgrim with uh, the first Evil X. That's true. Uh, straight up sings his song um, and like has a dance sequence and everything. But in, yeah, in similar ways, uh, High Fidelity feels a lot like a musical. I never actually, I know they made a stage show for High Fidelity. I don't know if that was a straight up musical or similar in that it was just played music. I don't know either. It's something I probably should have looked into before. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But they probably could. They could make it into a straight musical if they wanted to. (laughs) Yeah, they definitely could. Especially since it's so much about heartbreak that I feel like, you know. Yeah. All right, well, should we get into it? And I guess I'll go first. High Fidelity came out first in the year 2000, I believe. Yes. Uh, And is currently streaming on HBO Max. Um, So we open with Rob in his apartment and his girlfriend, Laura, is leaving. They've just broken up. Laura's played by even... I shouldn't even try to pronounce her name, to be honest. (laughs) She's a Danish actress. Uh She's very good in this movie. 
Um, and uh, I think she's been in a few other American productions, but she mostly works um, in Denmark, I assume. But yeah, I liked her. Yeah, she's good in this. <laughs> uh, so Rob starts reminiscing about his top five breakups, um, and we get sort of flashbacks to all of them. Uh, Alison Ashmore was a girl that he, well, quote unquote dated, I'd say. Yes. <laughs> in junior yeah. high. Yeah. Uh, they like made out for a few hours after school for like three days. And then on the fourth day, she had a new boyfriend <laughs> and he was heartbroken. Um, <laughs> Penny Hardwick was a girl, uh, like a good girl that he dated in high school who uh, wouldn't let him get the second base. And so he dumped her and then she uh, immediately had sex with the next guy that she dated, which she was very upset about. Um, <laughs> uh, and then we go to... Uh, Back into sort of Rob's life, uh, we find out that he works at a record store. Uh, we meet his uh, two employees, Dick and Barry. Um, this is, I think, the first thing that I saw Jack Black in. Oh. Do you remember? I feel like he was in so many. He was in DPO, that episode of The X-Files. Oh, right. Oh, the, the lightning one? Yes, yeah. the one with yeah. Giovanni Ribisi. Yeah. Yeah, that would have been before this. This is the first time he really made an impact. And he was also in Cradle with Rock, but I didn't see that before seeing High Fidelity. Um, he's probably in other things, but this I is the like first, like, yeah, big he had the role in bit parts. Yeah. Yeah. In things. Um, he makes a big impression in this movie. <laughs> oh, he definitely does. Yes. He is hilarious. He's terrible. He's, he's also terrible. <laughs> like, as a person, he seems just like a, a headache to deal with <laughs> if you were, like, friends with him. But he is hilarious to watch. <laughs> yes. Would you like to be dissatisfied as a customer, as just a person who has an interaction with another human? And he will do that. <laughs> uh, he comes in with like, uh, in the scene when we first meet him, <laughs> he comes in with his uh, Monday morning tape uh, to play. Uh, and he's playing like Walking on Sunshine <laughs> when Rob's just dealing with the aftermath of his breakup and just wants something quiet. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and uh, oh, we get this, this line from Rob at this point. I can't fire them. I hired these guys to work three days a week, and they just started showing up every day. That was four years ago. <laughs> Such a good line. Yeah. Uh, then we get a flashback to his third worst breakup, Charlie Nicholson, who uh, is played by Catherine Zeta-Jones, and she um, was someone he dated in college who was he always felt was way too cool for him. And then she ended up leaving him for this sort of like very swarthy, beefy looking guy. This is another one of my favorite lines when uh, John Cusack is in the rain outside of Charlie's apartment and he screams at her, Charlie, you fucking bitch, let's work it out. Yeah, I have that also written down. It's so funny. <laughs> we go back to, from the flashback to uh, Rob at uh, his store. Uh, Barry is offended by a customer with bad taste. <laughs> Uh, and uh, Rob gives him a hard time. I feel like this; these are the moments that Rob is the most likable is when he's, he's like trying to stop Barry from being an elitist prick <laughs> with the customers. Yeah. It's, it's one of the only times that he looks good in comparison to somebody else. Yeah, I feel like you can also relate to it. Like This man does not have a crazy successful business. He has an indie like record store where he's just trying to make a living so you need your customers, and Barry is just a dick because he can be, as if money just it doesn't matter. Uh, so then uh, Barry criticizes Rob's sweater, and Rob freaks out um, <laughs> because he mentions Laura. Uh, so he, he tells Dick that they broke up and asks him to tell Barry. Uh, then we get uh, a flashback to Sarah Kendrew, his fourth worst breakup. Uh, and she was somebody he met after Charlie... Uh, and Sarah was also dealing with the breakup. And so they sort of came together in their mutual heartbreak. Uh, but then she left him for somebody else. So each time he gets left in his mind for somebody else uh, that is that is apparently better than him, um, which has given him a bit of a complex, I guess. Yeah. Dick comes over to invite Rob out at his apartment. He gets a call from his mom and tells her that he, he and Laura have broken up. And she's <laughs> the least... Uh, <laughs> 
just just absolutely the worst uh, uh, reaction you can get from a mother when you're telling her that you've broken up with your girlfriend. Yeah. And uh, she's upset that uh, he's going to, I guess, end up alone for the rest of his life. Um, so he decides to go out after, after that call. <laughs> and he sees uh, Marie DeSalle, uh, played by... Lisa Bonet. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, Lisa Bonet. I was going to call her Zoe Kravitz. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, played by Lisa Bonet. They, she's a, a great singer. They uh, talk to her afterwards and invite her to their store. Or, well, Barry invites her to the store. And then Rob is weird about it. <laughs> like, why would you invent, invite this uh, successful singer to our, our vinyl store? Like, it's like it's a bad thing. Anyway, <laughs> he's just kind of a, he's a downer of a guy. Rob gets a call from his friend Liz, who's clearly a mutual friend of his and uh, Laura's. Uh, she says she doesn't want to take sides. Um, Laura comes to get some things, and this is when she gives her the this sort of. So he's, he he wants her back, and she's you know asking what he could do to make her happy, and she says nothing. Make yourself happy, uh, because he's sort of just been stagnant ever since they've gotten together, um, and isn't really doing anything for himself. Uh, so then, <laughs> let's see. Uh, at work, Rob calls Liz back, and, and she's sort of consoling him. And she lets slip that Laura's dating a guy named Ian, um, which is, and this sets up one of my favorite parts of the movie. Right at that moment, Marie DeSalle is in the store and Dick informs uh, Rob. And so he goes and greets Marie DeSalle and then <laughs> leaves and goes back into his office and screams at the camera, what fucking Ian guy? <laughs> Uh, Rob realizes that his former neighbor who used to live upstairs was named Ian. Um, <laughs> another one of my favorite lines. I never liked him much then and I fucking hate him now. <laughs> uh, so Rob at this point admits that, uh, his original number five on the list has been bumped off and Laura <laughs> is welcome to the, the top five list of worst breakups in his life. Yeah. Um, Back at the record store, Rob is working when Liz comes in, calls him a fucking asshole, and then leaves. <laughs> so now we get the Rob and Laura backstory. Um, they met when he was a DJ uh, and uh, got together, and um, Rob explains why he is now a fucking asshole. Um, and there were four pieces of information that he, he felt like Laura probably told Liz. Uh, one, he slept with somebody else while she was pregnant. Two, that his affair led to her terminating the pregnancy. Three, that he borrowed a large sum of money from her. And four, that he said that he was sort of unhappy in the relationship and maybe looking around for somebody else. <laughs> Don't you wish there was one more? It was like four pieces of information. It's like, I wish that there was like a fifth piece. I wish that there were like a top five reasons that... <laughs> it should, yeah. yeah. It's just just to, to play with all of the top fives that yes. are happening in the movie. I agree. Yeah. It's, it feels like it's missing one. <laughs> um, now, he does have an explanation for, uh, you know, at least the last three. Um, basically that, you know, he needed some money and she sort of, she offered to, it to him. She sort of forced it upon him. Um, that he, she sort of tricked him into saying that he was unhappy with the relationship. He does not actually have an explanation for why he slept with somebody else <laughs> while they were together. Um, no, no, which I feel like is probably the worst, <laughs> the most egregious thing that he listed. But he does admit that it, he is an asshole. So at least he's self-aware, I guess. Yes. And that he didn't know that she was pregnant also. Like right. when he, yes. he cheated on her, he just cheated on her and then found out way later that at the time she was pregnant. And so then she had terminated the pregnancy because of that, yeah. all without him him knowing. So he did, well, at, at first, it's just like, oh, you fucking asshole. Like, you did yeah. all of this <laughs> stuff. Uh, yes, you'd want to go and yell at somebody. And then you're like, oh, okay. So there's little things like, oh, she wasn't totally happy in the relationship either and got you to say that you were looking to, yeah, looking yeah. around. Yeah. Um, so he wants to figure out what's wrong with him at this point, why he's doomed to be left always for uh, other men. Um, and so he decides to revisit all of the exes on the top five list. Um, he calls Allison and finds out from her mother 
that she actually married Kevin, the guy that uh, she was kissing on the fourth day <laughs> of their relationship. And he is overjoyed with this news because this is fate. This is this is just beyond his control. There's nothing wrong with him. It's just, you know, the way things played out. He, he, she just uh, met the love of her life. Uh, and, and what are you going to do? Yeah. So... <laughs> So he's uh, very happy and, and can't wait to, to check in with all the other girls. He meets up with Penny, uh, who's now a uh, film critic, uh, and they have a great time. They go out to a movie, they go to dinner, and then he asks her uh, why she rejected him, why she wanted somebody else. And she, very upset, reminds him that he dumped her. Uh, he left her for being too tight and then kind of left her with a bunch of trauma related to uh, sex because she wanted to have sex when she was way too young uh, and so she thought that something was wrong with her and she had sex with the next guy that she dated and regretted it uh, and leaves uh, telling him to go fuck himself uh, very loudly in the restaurant. Of course, the only part of this that he actually registered was that he left her. <laughs> and so that's another one that he doesn't have to worry about. This is great. <sighs> I think this is one of his worst moments. Yeah, when it's, it's terrible. It's just like, okay, so you were cruel to her because she wouldn't give it up. And then she explains that the next guy, it wasn't rape because she didn't say no, but it wasn't far off. And then she had personal trauma and didn't yeah. have sex again until college. And what he took from that was, oh, no, I chose to get rid of you. This has been great. I'm going to continue <laughs> on. Does not say I'm sorry. Just no. every yeah. So really, really bad. Yeah, yeah. Um. So he calls Charlie up uh, and gets a voicemail. Uh, so he leaves a message and figures he'll never hear from her. Uh, the next day at work, some kids try to steal some records. They stop him. Uh, he and Barry uh, run after them and and stop them. And we're just setting that up for for later. Um, <laughs> uh, Laura shows up at the end of the day and she wants to come over and pick up some things um, and he's still he's still harping on her he still wants her back uh, he asks what chance they have of getting back together she says 9% this is 9% chance <laughs> which uh, you know I guess I guess is good enough for him but more importantly she tells him that she and Ian have not slept together yet which was the thing that he was most worried about because he's horrible. Um, and so he, uh, in elation that she has not slept with Ian, goes out and then immediately sleeps with Marie de Sal. Yep. yep. This, is, this is the other horrible moment for him um, because after this, he realizes that she says that she hasn't slept with, said that she hadn't slept with Ian yet. And what does that yet mean? Uh, so... <laughs> He starts obsessing about it, and he asks Laura to meet up with him again. He hounds her at work until she agrees, um, and then asks, him, asks her immediately if she slept with him. She says that she has, and he storms off in a huff like he has any right whatsoever to be upset about this. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I can uh, understand that he would be upset because his is, like, meaningless sex, and the, for this, it's, like it's one more step that they're not getting back together when he really wants to get back together with this person. But he also yeah. still cannot, while you can understand he is like sad about it, he mm -hmm. cannot be upset with her because he has already slept with someone else. Yeah. Um, but there is a fun scene where he tries to talk to Barry and gets nothing helpful back when he asks, I, <laughs> if I told you I haven't seen Evil Dead 2 yet. And he... <laughs> And Jack Black cannot realize, or Barry cannot realize, that this would have anything to do with anything else. And just is like, you're a liar, because I know you've seen the movie. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Um, <laughs> but in your opinion, would I definitely see that movie? Oh, God, I don't know. Probably. Why? Because it's a brilliant film. It's so funny and violent. <laughs> Uh, fun fact, apparently in uh, the Hungarian dubbed version, they re replaced uh, Evil Dead 2 with Reservoir Dogs because oh. <laughs> uh, I didn't think Evil Dead 2 enough enough 
uh, the Hungarian audience would know Evil Dead 2, I guess. Which, did it, did enough of the American audience know Evil Dead 2? I feel like... <laughs> Uh, I feel like it's very much a cult, you know, horror movie, uh, but, you know, maybe, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Reservoir Dogs certainly would be better now. Um, so, oh yeah, so after Rob storms off, storms off in a huff that uh, Laura has, met, has slept with Ian, um, <laughs> we get a scene of John Cusack uh, on a payphone in the rain, and I'm reminded of saying anything. Um, <laughs> yeah. But uh, he's he's calling her from right outside her or Ian's sorry Ian's apartment, um, and and really upsetting both Laura and Ian in the process and being a little stalkery. Not gonna not gonna lie. Yeah, it's kind of kind of creepy. Yeah, all of his behavior that he's doing, he does not see that it only pushes her farther away. Like I yeah. don't know why you would think if you want to get back together with someone, you just be like. Okay, so what's the how are we going to get back together? What's the likelihood that we're going to get back together? Like, how long would you say that you're going to be gone for? I'm just going to keep calling you. Like, have you slept with him yet? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so at this point, Liz meets up with uh, with Rob and tells him that he needs to back off and that he's he's all he's doing is creating a little unit of them against him. And <laughs> honestly, Joan Cusack isn't in this movie a lot, but I feel like she who plays Liz. Uh, I feel like she knocks it out of the park, especially, you know, the, the one scene where she just comes in and calls him a fucking asshole and then leaves. It's just perfect. Yes. <laughs> uh, and this whole speech uh, of, yeah, now, before there was just three people in a mess, but now they have something in common. <laughs> Rob finally gets a call back from Charlie. Uh, and soon after, Ian also shows up at his work and we get this great series of like escalating daydreams where Rob... Uh, either tells Ian off or he beats him up or Dick uh, and Barry and Rob <laughs> like murder him. Uh, <laughs> each one is more violent yes. than, than the next. And in reality, he doesn't do any of those things and, and Ian just kind of leaves. Um, yeah. uh, Rob goes to see Charlie uh, and he has a realization while, she, while he's there that she's actually really terrible. She's very shallow and she just says stupid things, but you know, she surrounds herself with people who will sort of fawn over her. Um, so uh, I, I do think that Catherine Zeta-Jones was the perfect person to play this role, oh, by yeah. the way. yeah. <laughs> because she does have that, just that cool girl air um, uh, that also you can sort of see the, the switch flip when he realizes that like, oh, wait, no. She's kind of like, she's saying nothing. She's just spouting bullshit all the time. But it's just people listen to her because she's so pretty. <laughs> yeah, she's gorgeous. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so he asked her why she left him or for Marco. And uh, she says, I mean, you know, he just seemed a little uh, sparkier, a little <laughs> sunnier. A little sunnier. <laughs> Which that's the thing is like, she's absolutely right. I feel like yeah. he was just like, he didn't feel like he was good enough for her. And he was mm -hmm. kind of sad. And it's just like, why would this girl that's like so much prettier than me and out of my league want to leave? You know, like, like she should be with somebody else probably. And then she decided to be with a more confident, yeah, happier guy. Exactly. Yeah. Back at work, uh, Barry is getting a band together, or he's had a flyer up for forever, apparently, and, and finally uh, some guys in a band come by um, and uh, ask to, you know, for him to join them. Um, and we also get the realization that Dick now has a girlfriend that he met at the store uh, when she was looking for the new Green Day album. <laughs> it's very cute. Yes. <laughs> Dick, most likable guy in the movie, probably. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Rob goes home and finds Laura looking at a list that he had made of his top five dream jobs. Uh, and they're all like sort of fantasy jobs if like uh, time and, and uh, you know, if he could be at, at any, any point in time and, <laughs> and doing anything. Uh, and his number five on the list was architect because that was what he went to school for. Um, and she asked him if, if he wouldn't rather own his own record store than be an architect. And he says, yes. So she replaces number five with record store owner. And it's a sweet moment. It is. It's I a nice, say. it's a nice little scene that I feel yeah. like shows them together and you're like, oh, they are good together. You yeah. know? I, yeah. 
back at uh, the store. Barry and Dick are playing a song over the speakers, uh, and Rob is intrigued by it. He asks them what it, who it is, and it's the little skater guys who had still tried to steal some records from them earlier. So he goes out uh, to them uh, to them on the street where they're skating and uh, offers to produce a record for them. Uh, which Barry is upset about because he uh, has a band now and Rob should know that Barry is a musical genius. <laughs> so why doesn't he want to produce their, their songs? <laughs> um, Rob gets a call and it's Laura, her father has just died, which, <laughs> and then we get a scene where uh, Barry asks everybody to make a top five songs about death. <laughs> Compilation is a Laura's dad tribute. Um <laughs> Uh, and we get the line, oh, Barry says he'd have, you can't always get what you want on it. And, and Dick says immediate disqualification due to its involvement in the big chill. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Laura wants uh, Rob to go to the funeral, which he does. Um, it's kind of awkward. <laughs> but he's there. And um, afterward, uh, he leaves and Laura follows him. Uh, meets up with him and uh, says that she wants to have sex with him because she doesn't want to feel like she feels uh, in that moment because she's too sad uh, from her father's death. Uh, she drives him back uh, to the apartment and she says, I'm too tired not to be with you right now. <laughs> uh, which is, you know, kind of probably the saddest way to ever get back together with somebody but also kind of understandable. Like I get where she where she's at. Yeah. Oh, I I, I totally do with all of it. Really. I mean, yeah. you're you're at a really like low point, and yeah, she wants to feel something else, so she wants to have sex with him, which isn't like a healthy decision. But it, you just she just needs something. And then I think if Rob didn't seem so like unhealthy, and he hasn't yeah. explained to us why he wants to be back together with Laura either, he just wants her back. That it's like this decision to get back together with him because you just kind of need to be comforted at the moment. You just need to not be like alone. You just need like the familiarity and stuff that uh, complacency and like stuck in one. You need all of yeah. that right now that that feels good to you. I totally get why she feels that way. And since he wants her back, they get back together. So it's it's not really healthy, but you understand it. You can relate to that feeling and why yeah. you would you would want that. And yeah, because he hasn't proven anything to change and that was her whole claim in the beginning is that she didn't want to be with him because he didn't want to change and he couldn't even recognize that like she was happy that she changed he just didn't like that she had changed from the person that she was when they met when they were younger so mm -hmm. I think it makes complete sense that that she wants to go back even if it it doesn't seem healthy for either of them at first that they get back together yeah um so she moves back in um and things are going great uh they're, you know, seem to be seem to be pretty happy as a couple. Um, and <laughs> uh, then it seems like um, Rob may be falling back into his old ways. He meets like a, a music journalist uh, mm -hmm. person at work, a girl who's very pretty, uh, <laughs> and says he's going to put together like an album for her. Um, and she just thinks he's great. Like, he's smart, yeah. and she's seen him DJ. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she kind of fawns over him a little bit. Yeah. Um, uh, at the same time, uh, Laura sets up a record release party for Rob's band and says that he's going to DJ at the record release party, which he is upset about. But, again, she she, she is sort of making a decision that that is probably best for him. He wants, he wants to produce this album without making a big deal about it, and she... Wants to, she wants to make it a big deal because it is one, um, which is very sweet. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> so uh, when uh, Rob is putting together this, you know, uh, mixtape for the the journalist uh, person, he sort of realizes uh, the the habit that the bad habit that he's falling back into, and he has to meet with Laura, and he asks her if she wants to get married, <laughs> and she laughs at him. <laughs> Rightly As so. she should. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Rightly so. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, he says that uh, he felt like the important thing was that he asked and she says, okay, well, now you've asked. 
And it is, I think, important in that it signifies that he realizes that he needs to make a commitment and not be afraid to do so um, in asking her if she wants to get married. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I like the scene, even though it is it is very funny, you know, that he would even ask because he was just flirting with another girl. Right yeah, before yeah, he was going to make which, her a tape, which I feel like is just like yeah. a step of like, I'm, I'm checking out my my options and stuff. But I, I feel yeah. like he he realizes not only that he should make a commitment to her, but like this is the life that he wants, that it's yeah. just it's just good. And like, that's what I want. And like, what am I doing? doing you know trying to yeah. meet other women and, and it's stuff a, like that it's the scene that sort of gives us because we're at the end of the movie we can't actually see him live as as a changed man with laura this is sort of the scene that, that signifies okay he's going to change uh, going forward yes. or at least we hope so yeah um and then we end uh at the record release party rob introduces barry's band which he's very nervous about playing uh and uh, they, at the time, go by the name Sonic Death Monkey. But then they get up there and they uh, start playing uh, Robin, or sorry, Marvin Gaye's Let's Get It On. And they're great because obviously Jack Black can sing. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and uh, we end with everybody having a great time and coupled up. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, just as a, a side note, it ends. Oh, because like, were you going to talk about him making Laura tape? Oh, no. Yeah, sorry. Because, <laughs> um, yeah, at the end, he's, like, he has decided to commit to Laura, and he's going to make a tape for her full of stuff mm -hmm. that she likes, which is also, like, the first time that I feel like he is thinking of things, like, from her perspective, and he is going to make her a tape, but stuff that she actually would want and not stuff that I feel like he would want her to listen to or that he thinks would be good for her to listen, you know? So, yes. I yeah, so I feel like it's all, it's all kind of growth there. And then the song, I believe, by Stevie Wonder plays, which is actually yes. the song producer Ryan proposed to me, too. Uh. <laughs> yeah. So... Yeah. All right. Well, any other th things that you want to say about High Fidelity before we move on to Scott Pilgrim? Uh, as far as, like, well, I already talked about the dub version. Oh, I don't know if you ever saw this movie uh, when it was, like, on cable. Um, but they very they filmed a whole lot of it, alternate versions of, of most of it, just to get the cuss words out. So. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. If you ever watched the movie on, like, Comedy Central um like when liz you know busts in yeah. uh to the store she calls him a selfish jerk and so instead of a fucking asshole oh. it it loses a bit of its bite i feel like yeah <laughs> um but it is funny how much uh they they sort of they alternately had to had to film uh in order to get the movie onto cable uh apparently harold james uh played rob's father uh in a deleted scene uh in the movie which would have been interesting to see, I feel like. I feel like he's played a lot of fathers in movies. Right? Like, just, like, <laughs> very small roles as fathers. <laughs> I feel like at a certain point of his career, there were, people were just like, we need a dad in this comedy for, like, one scene. Yeah. Let's just call him. <laughs> yeah. Great. Um, and, yeah, that's all I got. Uh, that is High Fidelity. Okay. Yeah, you gave us a lot of trivia while we were talking yeah. earlier and stuff like that, so... Okay. All righty. Well, our second movie is Scott Pilgrim versus the World uh, from 2010, and it is currently on Netflix. Um, so we start out with our Universal logo, our 8-bit version of the <laughs> Universal logo done by Edgar Wright's brother, which really kind of like sets up the whole video game, like it's concepts yes. that, you're, that you're going to have for the movie. And it says, not so long ago, in the mysterious land of Toronto, Canada, Scott Pilgrim was dating a high schooler. And we meet Scott Pilgrim. He's 22 years old and his rating is awesome. And because this is a video game movie, it's not like based on a video game, which I think like every other video game movie is like based yeah. on a video game. So this one isn't even though there is a, a video game for it now. But it's the style of it. So each character gets a rating. There's sound effects throughout the film. Get, getting a life and getting to do something over. And then even like fighting a bunch of minions before you get to your big boss. The big boss, yeah. Yeah, at the end. Like a video game. And then, you know, combining that with Edgar Wright's 
editing style and comedy and writing and stuff, it creates a really, really great film. Um, <laughs> but anyway, so Scott is dating 17-year-old Knives Chow. Ugh. <laughs> and they've gone as far as uh, almost holding hands once. But she got scared. And I really like that they put that in there. So it's like he's technically dating her, but they haven't done anything, which I feel like right. really helps to separate uh, that nothing really has happened. So she comes over to watch Scott's man practice, and we meet the rest of Sex Babam of the band Sex Babam that he is in. We meet Stephen Stills, played by Mark Weber, who is the talent, 22. <laughs> Kim Pine, played by Allison Pill, drummer, 23. And Young Neil, played by Johnny Simmons from Jennifer's Body. Yeah. Uh, and he just, he lives there. He lives here at the house that they <laughs> practice at, and he's 20. And then over the opening credits, uh, we hear the song, We Are Sex Babam. And also, because you mentioned Quentin Tarantino in High Fidelity, I'll mention him here. So his idea actually was to do kind of like the prologue before the credits to meet them and not to have it the, the credits first and then everything afterwards, like to break mm. it up so it was easier to um, yeah. kind of keep track of everybody. You meet a lot of people. So Yes. Yeah. So then afterwards we meet, uh, Scott informs his roommate, Wallace Wells, played by Kieran Culkin, that he's dating a high schooler, but not to tell anyone, especially his sister. <laughs> Stacy, played by Anna Kendrick, immediately calls him shocked that he is dating a high schooler. Scandal. <laughs> and asks, why are you doing this? It's been over a year since you were dumped by she who will not be named. And he can't really explain why he's doing it, but he's just like, it's nice. And so, you know, we kind of know he just needs kind of a, a, a rebound or just to be around yeah, he's, someone. Yeah, he's like, it's not a real relationship in his mind. It's more like a, like a training wheels <laughs> of, of yeah. dating, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, so, because, she's, because she's so young, it, it doesn't really, you know. <laughs> yeah. It's just a... He's not uh, alone. He doesn't have to feel alone. Yeah, exactly. So Knives and Scott play video games, and she's impressed by all his video game knowledge. And while CD shopping, Scott mentions that his ex Envy Adams, um, oh, played by Brie Larson, the lead singer of the Clash at Demon Head, has signed. Who she signed with a major record label and broke his heart. Mm. Scott has a dream of a mysterious pink-haired girl. Then while at the library with Knives, Scott sees the pink-haired girl, and she's real. Uh, and then at Julie's, Aubrey Plaza's party, Scott talks to Como and shows him a squiggle drawing of a girl who Como immediately identifies as, yes, that's Ramona Flowers. <laughs> and she's going to be here tonight. And he heard she's a little hardcore. Scott tries weird, to yeah. Weird similarity between the two movies is that I feel like Ramona and Laura both have very similar hairstyles. Yeah. They've got like the baby bangs with like the pieces coming down yeah. in front. Anyway. They do. <laughs> uh, and then Scott tries to talk to her, but he just ends up embarrassing himself. And yes, obviously Grace, just to, to say like, we both love this movie. We both mm -hmm. love Edgar Wright as a director. Any trivia that I talk about is probably something that you know, so feel free to jump in with your favorite lines from this movie as we have watched it many times or, you know, any anything uh, as well. Yes. I, you know, I would probably just be quoting uh, every line from Kim because <laughs> they're all gold. <laughs> uh, I think we already got past Scott, if your life had a face, I would punch it. Yes. Um, <laughs> and she's also, uh, well... I guess most people in this movie give Scott a hard time, <laughs> but rightly so, to be fair. He's dating a high schooler, and he should not be, and, well, we'll get to what else he does. Yeah, I think that she also, like, gives the hint that he's not such a great guy also. Yeah. That he hasn't been maybe the most kind to her or the most yeah. considerate of other people. I think there is more in, I'm pretty sure I read some of the graphic novel before, right, at some point. Uh, and there's more about his and Kim's relationship uh, in that. Um, so this, they just kind of hint at it in the movie mm -hmm. uh, that they dated in in high school. Um, but there's yeah. So she has she has reason to not think the world of Scott. Yes. I think, based on their previous relationship. Yes. Uh, so Scott receives an email from Matthew Patel informing him that they'll be fighting soon. He skims it and deletes it. Does not care. This is boring. <laughs> <laughs> 
So Scott doesn't break up with Knives, but asks Ramona to hang out, and they end up kissing, and he invites her to the Battle of the Bands. During mm-hmm. Sex with Bombs' performance, Matthew Patel comes crashing in. He is Ramona's first evil ex-boyfriend, and even though Matthew has mystical powers where he Bollywood dances and throws fireballs and has hipster demon chicks, Scott manages to fight and defeat him. <laughs> Yeah, this is this is the point of no return. I feel like for this movie because everything up like everything up till this point has had like you know it's been stylized and you've got the the video game aesthetic, but then you've got a guy just bursting in to the middle of the battle of the bands. He does like a Bollywood esque uh, dance sequence with like yeah demon hipster girls who show up and then. Uh, is defeated and, and disperses into a pile of, of coins. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, it, at this point, I feel this is the point where some people might walk out of the movie, <laughs> but it's also great. Yes. Yes. You realize that it, it's not just a stylized version of like real life that, yeah, yeah this is going to be definitely different than, <laughs> than other things. So let's see. Ramona tells Scott that if they are going to date, he has to defeat her seven evil exes. And then when trying to get Wallace out of the apartment so he can be alone with Ramona, Wallace only agrees if Scott breaks up with Knives. And after some rude comments to Knives, Scott does, in fact, break up with her. Poor Knives. Poor Knives. But also, you can do better, girl. Oh, yes. Uh, <laughs> definitely deserves better. Uh, so uh, when his date with Ramona is crashing and burning... Scott decides that they should go meet up with Wallace, who is stalking Lucas Lee, who was this pretty good <laughs> skater and is now this pretty good actor, on film set. So when they arrive, Lucas says, the only thing keeping me and her apart is the two minutes it's going to take to kick your ass. Which seems like movie dialogue until he reali- until we realize that he's talking to Scott because he's Ramona's second evil ex-boyfriend. We have a great moment where... Scott is getting beat up by Lucas Lee's stunt team, which are actually Chris Evans' body doubles. Yeah. And we leave Scott, and we just follow Lucas and walk away as he's going to get some coffee, and he reads a text. (laughs) That's actually hilarious. And then Scott... (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I can't remember. Was that line, like, ad-libbed by Chris Evans, or was it part of the script it seems like an ad lib but it does there's just something about the way he delivers it that is that is actually hilarious yeah yeah I just love that we are leaving the action to just follow the guy just walking away (laughs) and then he gets coffee and he gets his his text and then off screen you can just hear Scott saying Mr. Lee you're needed back on set and he just throws down his hat that he's wearing because he has defeated all of the the stunt guys yeah. And then Scott defeats Lucas by goading him into doing a grindy thingy on snowy rails and Lucas blows up and bursts into coins. Yeah, I never got his autograph. <laughs> <laughs> so then Scott's ex, Envy Adams, uh, wants to torture him essentially by having Sex Bomb open for the clash at Demon Head. She is jealous of Ramona, even though she broke up with Scott to date her bassist, Todd. And then at the show, they realize Todd is Ramona's third evil ex-boyfriend. So Scott quickly learns that he is outmatched because Todd is vegan, which, as we all know, (laughs) means he has psychic abilities. Yes. Being vegan just makes you better than other people. And Scott says, "There's just because Todd's so dumb, and I just love how dumb he is." Yeah. Uh, Scott says, "I just like you, Capiche," and he says, "Tell it to the cleaning lady on Monday, <laughs> because you'll be dust by Monday, because you'll be pulverized in two seconds." And the cleaning lady, she cleans up dust. She dusts. She dusts. And then he does his little hand motion yeah. of her dusting. Wait, what's Monday? <laughs> <laughs> She has the weekends off, so <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to work it out. Yeah, uh, I do love the uh, just the world building hinted at by uh, you went to vegan academy. Like this is just a thing that exists in yeah. this world where you learn to be vegan and get psychic abilities. <laughs> yeah, all of it just kind of like especially now it really is kind of just like oh he punched a hole in the moon for me like we're just really <laughs> leaning into stuff that we cannot relate to that is just really ridiculous <laughs> so 
Scott gets Todd to break vegan edge by tricking him to drinking half and half, thinking that it's soy milk. Mm-hmm. And then the vegan police <laughs> burst in to arrest Todd for a veganity violation. And they take away, oh, this is uh, Thomas Jane and Clifton Collins Jr. And they yes. take away his psychic abilities. And then Scott headbutts him so hard he bursts. <laughs> so then at the. <laughs> then at the after this the whole vegan police scene was I, I could quote the whole thing but i'm not going to it so is it's go. so it's so good <laughs> then at the after party scott and ramona run into roxy ramona's fourth evil ex played by may whitman uh as people may know there was the development yes and <laughs> so then ramona tries to fight roxy for scott but scott must defeat her himself she doesn't want to do because she's a girl she's soft and she's soft, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when it looks like Scott is about to lose to Roxy and says, and this is one of my favorite lines from the movie, your BF's about to get effed in the B. <laughs> yeah. Ramona tells him Roxy's weakness is the back of her knee and Roxy then pleasure bursts into Yeah, points. she like orgasms yes. into <laughs> Yes. <laughs> I like that they're all different also. Everything yeah. about everything is very, very different. Um, so... Then the next two exes Scott has to defeat are the Katayanagi twins, uh, who are also the next band that Sex with Bomb is competing against in the Battle of the Bands. And the band, like, as a whole, with their music, creates a monster which defeats their dragons. <laughs> so It makes sense if you watch yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> and then Scott grabs an extra life. And just, like, how knives... Uh, tells Scott she loves him and he breaks up with her. Scott thinks he tells Ramona he loves her and then she breaks up with him. Mm. She can't get, or Ramona can't get Gideon, uh, Jason Schwartzman, out of her head. And to smooth things over for creating the League of Evil Exes, uh, because he's a music producer, he does offer them a three-album contract and Scott won't sign it, but Stephen... <laughs> Who's just so desperate the whole movie. He's so yeah. Mark Webber's so good at just being this desperate music guy, just trying to to make it work. But <sighs> Stephen Kim and Young Neil, who's going to replace Scott, all do sign. So, which to be honest, it doesn't seem like uh, Scott is the most interested in the band throughout the movie. Yes, he just kind of leaves to go on a date with Ramona uh, and uh, and let Young Neil play his part. So you know, fair enough, I say. Yeah, yeah. So then Scott decides to fight Gideon for Ramona. And as Gideon is about to finish off Scott, Knives jumps in. She wants to fight Ramona for stealing her boyfriend. Of course, Ramona has, doesn't have any idea what she's talking about. <laughs> Scott has to come clean about how he was dating them both at the same time. And then Gideon stabs him through the heart. While dead, Scott learns that Gideon has a chip attached to Ramona, which is how he's getting into her head. And he uses his one-up to play the level again. He tells Stephen the band sounds better without him. He compliments young Neil, who's now just Neil, and he apologizes to Kim for being so awful to her. Scott earns the power of self-respect. He apologizes to both Knives and Ramona. Ramona's chip falls off, and Gideon is defeated. But Scott has one last battle against Nega Scott. So Ramona and Knives wait outside, and then Scott and Nega Scott come out talking about plans to get brunch. (laughs) And Ramona is about to leave, and oh, were you going to say something? Oh no. <laughs> okay. So Ramona's about to leave, and Knives tells him to go after her, and that she's too cool for him anyway, which I really appreciate. Yes. That line. Um, and then Ramona and Scott are going to try it again, and it ends with a countdown of like when you're playing a video game and you have to put in more quarters, like the yeah, ten, nine, yes, <laughs> yeah, which is a great way to end a video game movie. Um, yes. So I'm going to talk about the original ending. Mm-hmm. Um, you'll have to tell me how you feel about it. I okay. I understand wanting him. Well, let me explain what it is first. So the original ending, uh, which I think you can see like moments of throughout the movie. That yeah, they're kind definitely. of like building knives and, and Scott's chemistry. The two of them are fighting the battle together at the end. Much like the video game that they're playing throughout the movie. They're both defeating Gideon. Mm-hmm. Ramona leaves and Scott and Knives uh, decide to be together so they're playing the arcade game together and then it zooms in on the same countdown and then that's how it ends which feels 
much smoother. Like it, it, it built to that. Yeah. And I, I enjoyed that version, but I do understand that people were upset that after watching Scott this whole time defeat all these evil exes to be with Ramona, <laughs> they doesn't get together with Ramona. And also that by the end, you're just like, he was terrible to Knives. Like, she yeah, deserves someone else that's going to treat that's her better. That's the thing. Like, I understand why Scott would want to be with Knives at that point. I do not understand why Knives would want to be with Scott. <laughs> I feel like, uh, you know, that she, she seems like a very nice but naive girl throughout most of this movie who does not realize just how crappy he was to her and that she could do much better <laughs> than him. So I think them ending up together would have been, yeah, I, I, I would not uh, like it. But you know, like you said, you can see the uh, sort of the, the building blocks for that ending throughout the movie if you if you watch it uh, with with that in mind, I think. So I, I can understand what they were going for as far as like uh, maybe he just didn't ever think of her as a real relationship and, and give and realize that they actually did work very well together because because of that reason. Um uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, he's too much of a jerk. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I feel like even though they have like really great chemistry and like a lot in common, mm-hmm. um, him and Ramona seem to have like similar backstories. They seem more purple that you match like with their personality and that hopefully yeah. they have both learned something and then they can both grow together in this way and be better and not treat people poorly I guess yeah that would create I'm gonna say upset exes because while she may have evil exes I feel like you know Kim and like Scott's exes even though Envy is is evil it seems like he left you know a trail of other women that are just heartbroken and stuff so hopefully they can both be better together yeah um so this is based on the graphic novels by Brian Lee O'Malley and he got the idea wondering what if Street Fighter were real life. And then the legal of Evil X's idea came when he found out that his girlfriend, who is now his wife, had dated three guys named Matthew. So <laughs> it became like the League of Matthews and then the League of Evil X's. And then that's why the first Evil X is named Matthew Patel. Uh, Brian is also, he was, okay, so Brian was in a band that played in a <laughs> battle of a bands and he shared a bed with a roommate. Wow, okay. Yeah. Uh, and then he actually has a cameo at Lee's Palace uh, right before the Clash at Demon Head perform. And then co-screenwriter, like with Edgar Wright, Michael Bacall, he has like two cameos. One, talking to Como on the stairs with the squiggle and asks uh, in the Matthew Patel scene, is he a pirate? <laughs> of course Scott says, are you a pirate? Um, so, and then the first act, uh, of the film follows the first graphic novel, I guess almost beat for beat. And then a lot of the sort of like video game voiceover, like the KO and all that stuff, that's Bill Hader. So, oh, I yeah. know that. And then Ellen Wong, she made the sex babam shirts. Oh, I'm wearing a shirt today. One of my many Scott Pilgrim yeah. shirts, but I'm wearing oh, my yes. T one, my Ramona T shirt. Yes. So, <laughs> it's, a, it's a shirt with all the tea on. yes <laughs> need to explain that <laughs> i realized what i said um and then <laughs> the clash at demon head is named after the band the clash and the clash clash at demon head is a video game crash and the boys is also a video game and then sex babam <laughs> is named after the babams in mario and i do have to say yes i feel like uh the clash at demon head song and this may be my favorite one. <laughs> the Black, of, of black the, Sheep? Yeah, on the, yeah, on the soundtrack. I, I think that one's really good. Yeah, that's um, my favorite one, too. Yeah. And Allison Brie. She sings that for real, right? Brie Larson? She's, yeah, she's, she's sorry, singing Brie, it. Brie yeah, <laughs> I know. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah, she is singing that in the, in the movie. Yep. Yeah. So then my last thing, and it's like one kind of like longer thing. So uh, Scott says Coke Zero a lot in this movie. You'd mm. almost think it was product placement, but it's not product placement. It's because there's so many, like, numbers and rankings in the film that it's uh, – actually, it's because we're trying to symbolize that Scott is zero whenever he's, like, saying it. He also wears a Smashing Pumpkins zero shirt. He also wears another Smashing Pumpkins shirt that's just SP because he is Scott Pilgrim. But <laughs> And then at the point where him and Ramona aren't getting along mm-hmm. um, and, like, he would be ordering the G&Ts instead of uh, – 
Coke Zero. He's wearing a fantastic like four and a half shirt. And it's because it's the possibility of him becoming a f- like the fourth and a half evil X. Like that it uh. maybe happens. So then going mm-hmm. along with the numbers. So Matthew Patel, the first evil X, he has one chevron on his jacket. He's that one guy. <laughs> uh, he also. Wait, I feel like we didn't talk enough about uh, Wallace. <laughs> Wallace, he's oh gosh, Karen Culkin is so great in this movie. Yeah, <laughs> he has. I feel like some of the best lines. I would say overall, like if you had to group them all together, like there's certain individual lines that are really good, but his lines are so good in this yeah. movie, and he is so good in this role, and like tossing <laughs> the keys that like hit Scott. There's a lot of the a lot of comedy from him that's really really good and like little things he has to do like he's talking to scott and he hits him with the spatula <laughs> yeah yeah him and uh i'd say wallace and kim are sort of like the heavy hitters for me as far as like just every line that they deliver is gold yes. <laughs> i just crack up every every single time um but yeah him uh you know stalking pl- making plans to stalk Lu- lucas lee uh, so that he can have his adopted babies. Yeah. And like, <laughs> uh, just so funny. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yes. So Matthew Patel, he also points with one finger and then his demon hipster chicks have one star on their shirts. Lucas Lee, uh, he has two X's on his belt buckle. He has a two on his car. Uh, he has a two on his trailer. It's the two minutes it's going to take to kick your ass. It's the, <laughs> and the 200 steps uh, on the rails are garbage. So, like, <laughs> all the two. So then for Todd, we have, like, the number three on his shirt. He has three stripes on his on his shirt. And he also has three stripes on his wristbands. Roxy has, like, four rips in her leggings. They're fighting at a bar called four. And because they're mm. two women together, they both have X chromosomes. So it's, like, four X chromosomes. And then... Uh, um, sorry, I just have to mention one of my favorite lines is also from Roxy. When, she, when they first meet up. And she says, uh, oh, I'm real sorry, darling, but I just cashed my last rain check. Goes, <laughs> Scott goes, what's that from? And she says, my brain. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. This movie's so good. Uh, so <laughs> then for the Kerinagi twins, one of them has their like sunburst shirt has five stripes on it and the other one has six bracelets on the wrist and then they turn the volume up uh to 11 <laughs> another movie where that happens uh but that's also like five plus six equals 11 so right. and then for Gideon his logo is made up of sevens g is the seventh letter in the alphabet and the gum you know that he swallows will stay in his digestive tract for seven years, seven years. so it's all seven so it's almost like uh everybody involved in the movie took a lot of you know time and like work to <laughs> put it all together yeah so yeah so that is scott pilgrim yay you want to talk about food Sure. Um, so I feel like it's not a whole lot of mo- food in the movie. I think Barry's eating a burrito at one point. Yes, um, he is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It's when, it's when Rob tells him that Laura's dad died. Oh, drag. Yeah. It's the burrito. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I feel like if you're going to make a high fidelity thing, it should probably be shaped like a vinyl record. Um, and I realized you can make, if you have those like circle cookie cutters, like in varying shapes, which I do uh, because I bake very often, <laughs> you could really easily make uh, like a fondant uh, topper or uh, maybe like a modeling chocolate, like cupcake topper, or maybe even cookies, circle shaped cookies, and just use, you know, obviously a big circle for the outside of the record and then two little ones to make like the label inside yeah. uh, and maybe like imprint with the circles going in to sort of create grooves yeah uh, on the record That's you really can good also pretty easily make a like a chocolate vinyl full-size cake uh and just use like if especially if you have like a turntable to cake decorate you can use something with teeth to sort of make the grooves uh on the top so yeah i haven't decided what i'm gonna do yet but i'm probably one of those <laughs> those are really good ideas uh so i have decided but i haven't made it yet so because scott's favorite food is garlic bread 
and Todd, oh, yes. and Todd is vegan, uh, I'm going to make little vegan garlic bread X's because you can easily cut uh, bread. So I'm like, yeah. oh, I'll just make little X's out of garlic bread instead of like little thin slices. I'll just make them little X's. So I'm going to do vegan garlic bread for that. Nice. So, yeah. Or like... Are you going to use bread or are you going to use like like a garlic knot type of thing to like make it in the next shape? Um, I could do that, I suppose. I guess I was thinking of like doing like making like a vegan loaf and then cutting it like you would normal garlic bread and then taking the two halves and cutting them in X's. But I could do that. There was also a recipe that I thought was fun. It was a vegan pull apart bread and uh-huh. kind of like how um, Scott's like, not only do I want to take part, I want to take them apart. But the yeah. action of a vegan pull-apart bread <laughs> is like a really good action to have um, for it. So yeah, that's another thing. So uh, yeah, it's just Tasty. that I, I have packed everything away, so I cannot <laughs> make anything. But uh, yeah, we got time. Yeah. Um, oh, and then I was going to ask you. Okay, do you have a favorite X from each movie? Oh gosh. Mm. let me see I okay so in high fidelity (laughs) I feel like um Penny probably (laughs) gets like the biggest shaft from (laughs) from Rob so she's probably my favorite also she seems cool I would like to be friends with Penny she's a film critic (laughs) yeah I would also pick I would also pick Penny and just um, hope that things are are better for her. Now that he is not there, she seems yeah. to be doing okay, <laughs> and hopefully she can find someone. Yes. Exactly. Um, and then in, in Scott Pilgrim, hmm. it's hard not to pick Lucas Lee just because he's so entertaining. <laughs> and, and he looks like Chris Evans, so, you know. Um. <laughs> he does look like Chris Evans. <laughs> Yes. Um. I know. I wrote down, it didn't work with the way that I wrote my notes, but the clip from the movie that Wallace is watching, where it's like him hobbling to a phone booth, like an injured action movie, and he's like, now you listen close and you listen hard, bucko. The next clip you'll hear is me hanging up. The one after that is me pulling the trigger. Like... (laughs) So funny. Uh, Yeah, it's it's tough for me to choose between Lucas Lee and, and Todd Ingram. I think in the end, I probably would pick Todd, even though it's it's very close. Yeah. Between the between the two. They're both great. They are. All right. Anything else that you want to point out before we wrap it up? I think I'm good. Okay. All right. Then do you want to tell people where they can find us and what the theme for the next episode is? So you can find us on Instagram at movie underscore matchup or on sugarednerd.com and tune in for the next episode when the theme will be search party. Oh. And remember, what really matters is what you like, not what you are like.